Chapter forty four of Ned Franks or the Christian's Panoply. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Stumbling Block Franks had warmed with his subject, his words had flowed rapidly and freely, and yet he felt that half of what he had wished to say had been left unsaid. He paused now, as if for a reply. Isaac still had his eyes cast down on the scimitar which lay across his knee. He did not speak for several seconds, and then said, in a tone which grated painfully on the ear of the young sailor, "'All this, and much more, I've long known.' "'And has it made no impression on your mind?' exclaimed Franks. "'Young man,' said Isaacs, coldly, still avoiding looking at his companion, it needs something more than an impression on the mind to make Jew or Gentile give up all for a matter of belief. I was born a Hebrew. My relations are Hebrews. My connections in business are Hebrews. Tis no light matter for a man to break ties, to make himself an outcast from his nation, to injure his prospects in the world, to give up his honest gains. No, no added isaacs shaking his head with a bitter smile to bring a man to that needs something more than an impression on the mind it needs an impression on the heart cried franks who saw that what the unhappy jew needed was not conviction but conversion you speak like a very young man said isaacs with a touch of scorn in his manner i've lived longer in the world and know more of its ways than you the world has nothing to do with the matter, said Ned, bluntly. This is a business between God and your conscience. Tis a question of sacrificing some earthly gain for the sake of your soul. I've my boy to think of, said Isaacs. He is the son of my sorrow, precious as my heart's blood, dear as the apple of my eye. For him I toil, for him I save. He shall never know the hardship and want that have ground down his father. I can't sacrifice his prospects. I can't drag him down to poverty. No, no, there's no use talking about it. But surely, cried Ned, it is false love to your son to keep him in what you must feel to be a sinking vessel when there's a lifeboat alongside. Who cares for the cargo when life is at stake? or would wish to go to the bottom, though he should carry down all the gold of California with him. Isaacs was no longer listening. To Frank's surprise, he had taken up the little Bible and was turning over the pages, as if in search of something. The sailor watched him as he searched, with a feeling of painful interest, and a hope, though but a faint one, that some blessed truth in those leaves might arrest the wandering soul. Isaacs soon stopped fixed his thin finger on an open page, and then muttered in an undertone, "'If there were not one other stumbling-block for me in the path you'd have me take, this verse would be enough to block up the way forever.' "'Upon what verse can he have stumbled?' thought Franks, and he asked the question with his inquiring eyes. "'Look ye here,' said the Jew, turning the Bible so that the sailor could read the words to which he pointed part of the Sermon on the Mount. Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. The Jew shut the book, put it down, and pushed it to the furthest end of the table, 
grinding his teeth as he did so. "'Is it possible?' exclaimed the astonished Franks, "'that so heavenly a precept can be a stumbling block in your way?' The manner of Isaacs had changed. The fierce spirit which had lain so still was roused within him, and Franks could scarcely believe that he who spoke with such bitter emotion was the same man as he who, but a few minutes before, had listened so calmly to his words. "'It may not be so with you,' cried the Jew. "'No, no, you Christians stumble over nothing. You've a way of getting round all. You profess yourselves lambs when you're ravening wolves. You call yourselves followers of the Prince of Peace, and you delight in bloodshed and strife. You read the command, Love your enemies, and so you pursue them to the death. Hypocrites! You kneel down and pray, Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive them that trespass against us. I could not make such a prayer. I could not belie my faith thus. I could not call myself a servant of Christ and turn my back on his law. No, whatever else I may be, I'm not hypocrite enough for that. While that verse stands in the gospel, it is no gospel for me. I have an enemy, and I will hate him. I've suffered of wrong, and I will revenge it. Isaacs started up from his seat. The scimitar fell with a clang on the floor. He did not stoop to raise it. The Jew paced up and down the room, his dark eyes flashing under their knitted brows, and the veins on his forehead swelling as the fierce blood rose within. Franks also rose, in act to speak, but the Jew was now in no mood to listen. As he strode up and down, his feelings burst forth in disconnected sentences. I was in straits for money once, for a time. It was in the depth of winter. Snow two feet deep on the ground, my wife ill, dying, Benoni a three-days-old baby beside her. I owed rent to Peter Claymore, a Christian. Isaacs gnashed his teeth as he uttered the word. I'm not likely to forget his name. I repeat it every night, but not in a prayer. Not in a prayer. I've made a vow, but not to forgive. The strange smile on those white lips was more horrible to Franks to behold than the fiercest expression of anger. He would not wait. He turned us out in the winter in the deep snow. In a few days I buried my Miriam. Her death lies at the door of that man. And shall I forgive him? Can I love him? Must I bless him? Go, cried Isaacs, pointing to the door. Go preach the gospel of peace to those that have known no wrongs, deep, deadly as mine. He repeated his gesture in a manner so impatient that the sailor, who saw that he might as well argue with winds and waves, as a man in such a state of excitement, quitted the room without reply. Franks hurried down the little staircase and entered the parlor where Persis sat at her work beside the sleeping old man. Benoni was playing at her feet with the little boat which the sailor had rigged out for the child. "'Benoni, dear, go into the garden,' said Persis. The child threw his arms round her neck and kissed her before he obeyed. Franks sat down with a more troubled expression than was often seen on his bright open face. Persis rose and closed the door after Benoni. "'You have failed, I fear,' she said softly as she returned to her seat. Frank sighed and nodded his head. "'Did you speak to him of the holiness, the meekness, the mercy of our dear Lord?' 
did you show the poor jew that such a being so lofty and yet so lowly in whom his watchful enemies could find no spot of sin must have been more than man i did not dwell on the character of the saviour said franks though that is in itself perhaps the highest proof that the gospel must be from god i only touched very slightly touched on a few of the proofs that the bible is the message of our heavenly king but oh persons that unhappy man's difficulty is not in believing the truth his stumbling block is not doubt it is the unwillingness to forsake all to give up a bosom sin that makes isaacs like so many others turn away from the saviour's offer of salvation and in a few words ned repeated to persons the latter part of his conversation with the jew i fear that this is a hopeless case said franks in conclusion oh no cried persis never let us despair if poor isaacs would not let us plead with him we can at least plead for him we may find at last dear ned that your words have not been spoken in vain End of chapter forty four